0: Well, thank you kindly for that introduction, and it's a joy to be with you. My wife and I visited you about a year ago, I think right before the COVID hit, and we enjoyed that time with you and got to know your pastor and his wife recently at a pastor appreciation event at Skycroft. Uh, he's a much better golfer than I am. <laughs> so look forward to future times of fellowship. You know, a lot of times when a a pastor stands in front of you, you probably are thinking, this guy has it all together. Uh, He he doesn't ever make mistakes or there's no problems in his life, and I can assure you that's not true. And I want to just tell a little funny one on me that you might experience that. Uh, Probably 25 years ago, our church had two services at that time, and I could tell on Thursday of, of the week that I was not feeling well, and I had a very terrible cold, and uh, my throat was just dry, and so I determined that during that first service, I would preach with a lozenger in my mouth, and what I didn't realize is that when you're doing that, you are, you can't tell this, but you're spraying your saliva <laughs> all over whatever's in front of you, and that was the Bible, and so I get up to do the second service, And I cannot open any of the pages that I had just preached from in the early service. So imagine this. I'm standing there preaching, trying to get those pages uh, to open up. And uh, thank goodness we didn't have another service at that time after that, or I would have gone through that all over again. But uh, we don't have it all together. We need your prayers all of the time. And we are very appreciative to that. There was a little boy that grew up on a spacious, spacious farm. And one of the items on that farm was a a pond, you know, two, three acre pond. And that little boy dreamed of sailing a boat one day as an adult. But he told his father, you know, if I want to achieve that, I need a little toy sailboat that I can sail down in the pond. Well, he he just constantly reminded his father of this and a birthday was coming up and the little boy got that sailboat, the toy sailboat. Well, he was eager every day to go down and sail that little sailboat and when school got back going, he had to do his homework before he could go down there but he was always seen down at the little pond sailing that toy sailboat until one day the wind direction changed. Normally, the wind was always forcing the little toy sailboat back to the shore, but not on this day. As soon as the boat got in the water, it started to get away from the little boy. And he didn't know what to do. He, he knew that his swimming ability was not such that he could just jump in the water and go rescue it. And so Dad was up at the compound, the main compound, and Dad, Dad, you, you, you've you got to come quickly. Uh, the sailboat has gotten away from me, and and, and I can't get it. And the father walked down. He assessed the situation, and without telling the little boy anything, he got down and began to grab some rocks, and he began to throw those rocks at the sailboat, again without saying anything to the son about what he was doing. And the son is just standing there. And in his mind, what his father is doing is trying to sink the sailboat because these rocks are landing very, very close to the sailboat. And so finally he can't take it. And he says, Dad, what are you doing? You're going to hurt my sailboat. You're going to sink my sailboat. What the little boy didn't realize is the father knew what he was doing. And he was throwing these rocks on the far side of the sailboat, which was creating a current, which was slowly but surely bringing the sailboat back to the little boy. Today I want to talk to you about the stiller of storms. Because we have storms in our life, and we're going to continue to have storms in our life, and a lot of times we just say, God, I don't get it. Why are you allowing this storm in my life? God, my world is sinking. God, the world around me is sinking. What's going on? I had a lady in a previous church that was going through a lot of storms. And one day she came up to me and she said, I know that God will not put more on me than I can bear. Pastor, what I wish is that God didn't have such a high opinion of me. (laughs) God, please take away the storms. Now, you might think, you know, we're the only ones that go through storms, but remember the Apostle Paul. You can read about his story in 2 Corinthians where he said, God, I sought you and sought you and sought you and asked you to take away this thorn. We don't know what the thorn was. And God's providence, we'll never know the thorn's uh, identification until we get to glory. But Paul said, God said to me, I'm not going to remove that storm. You're going to have it. And so today in God's Word, I pray that... Uh, the Holy Spirit would speak to us about the stiller of storms. Here's the good news. You're going to have storms, but you're going to have the stiller of storms that can walk on top of those storms. Amen? And so today as we open our Bibles to Matthew 14, and I appreciate the reading of God's Word, go ahead and just turn there, and there's also some notes, uh, places where you can take some notes. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And I'm not going to read the whole passage again, but I do want to read one verse to you, and that is this. And he made them get into the boat. I want you just to think about that statement. He made them get into the boat. Jesus has an aim for us in the storm. What is that aim? He allows these storms to come into our lives. And in this particular story, He made them get into the boat. Now, that's all we have written here. Boy, I would have loved to eavesdrop on that conversation. (laughs) You want us to do what, Master? I want you to get in the boat. Well, we're not going to get in the boat. (laughs) And so he made them get into the boat. Why would he make them? Why would he allow a storm in their lives? Well, in all of the years that God's given me to study God's Word, I believe there are two main reasons that God allows storms into our life. The first one is God uses storms for correction. We're going a way that... God doesn't want us to go, and so he's going to send a storm to correct our direction. When you arrive in Israel, and I hope that you'll be able to go one year, you land usually about mid-afternoon, and you're taken to a town right on the Mediterranean called Jaffa. Many years ago, it was called Joppa. And right in the middle of town, you find this this thing. Anybody see a whale in that? (laughs) And let's just say that you've never heard anything about Jonah and a whale, and you're just standing there as a tourist saying, what is this all about? (laughs) This is about a storm of correction. Because Jonah did not want to do what God asked him to do. And God said, okay, I'm going to send a storm your way. And let me just read a few lines of Scripture to you. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Let's look at this map now that's on the screen for you. You see Joppa at about the 3 o'clock position. And God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. That's a distance of 550 miles. Jonah says, I'm going to flee from the presence of the Lord and I'm going to get away from Him. And so he goes opposite of where God wants him to go, and he goes to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles, and Jonah found out that you can never flee the presence of the Lord. It's not going to happen. Jonah had a storm of correction sent his way, a whale, a bad storm, and God was able to communicate with him about his will. I call it Jonah got a whalogram. <laughs> a whalogram. Something that he would never forget. David said, you remember in Psalm twenty three, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we need a storm of correction. And if you're going through a storm of correction, you probably know that, don't you? <laughs> yes. You know that you're not doing what God's asked you to do. You're not going where he's asked you to go. And you more than likely know what that storm of correction is all about. Well, there's also another kind of storm that we see in the Bible, and that's storms of perfection. Storms of perfection. Remember in our biblical story... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. The word made needs to compel by force. This this was not a pretty scene or sight, Jesus making them get into the boat. But But listen as I read on. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Who do you think he was praying for up on the mountain? Those disciples he had just made get in the boat. And he was praying, O God, please, your will be done in their lives. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way off the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, don't you wish they would cried out, Lord. Lord, so good to see you. No, what did they do? They cried out and say, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come up on the water. And he said, Okay, Peter, come up on the water. This is not my idea. That's my notation. And so Peter got up on the water and came to Jesus, but he took his eyes off the Lord and he saw the wind and he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did Jesus allow this to happen? Jesus delivered a storm of perfection to Peter to grow his faith and to show him that without the Lord he could do nothing. My wife Susan has a love affair of Scotland. She's been there four times on mission trips and each time they've been privileged to stay with a resident of Scotland to learn their vocation, get to know their family. The last time that she was there, She happened to stay with a farmer, and one of the items that he farmed was sheep. And you know the Bible's not very complimentary about sheep, and God uses sheep to talk about us. And so Susan was talking one day with them around the dinner table, and she said, "Uh, I've heard that sheep can get away from the rest of the sheep, and that sometimes they'll see some grass down 10 to 12 feet on a ledge. And without even thinking about how am I going to get out of this, they just jump down on that ledge and they are stranded. And Susan said, do you go immediately and rescue them? And the shepherd said, no, no, I don't do that. Well, well, why not? And the shepherd said, because sheep are foolish. And if I were to rush in, I would startle that sheep and it would jump opposite of me to its death. And so I'm going to wait several days until that sheep gets tired, until that sheep gets weak. I'm, I'm going to wait until that sheep cannot do for itself. And then I'll go and rescue it And I'll reach down with the hook of my shepherd's staff, and I'll bring it to safety. Sometimes when storms come our way, our attitude is, God, take care of this now, right? You've made your point, Lord. I understand God, get me out of this storm now. And a lot of times we strike out at God what we think is His procrastination when we ought to be seeing God's omniscience, that He knows everything about everything. And He has a reason why that storm has not moved away from us. The psalmist said in Psalm 40, verse 2, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. And gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God's aim in the storm is to correct us or to perfect us. And you know a verse of Scripture. Say it with me. And we know that in all things God works together for good. To them that love Him and are called according to his purpose. Number two, notice his adequacy in the storm. His adequacy in the storm. The Bible said he came to them in darkness. He came to them in darkness. The Bible says he came at a particular time during the night. What did he say? Which watch? The fourth watch of the night which if you want to make this notation in your Bible, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. What sailors would call the darkest part of the night, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And folks, think about this. If they'd been fighting the waves of a storm and the wind, they had just about had it. And here comes Jesus. In the darkest part of the night. Psalm 139 verse 11 and 12 says, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will be not dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You may say, Pastor Hall, I've, I've come to the end of my rope. This storm is dark. Be watching for him. He comes when there is discouragement. The disciples were in the fight for their lives. Mark's version of this same story, Mark chapter 6 40, 48, says they were toiling. As they rode. And let me tell you what that's about because I've actually had that to happen to me. In one of my pastorates, the church member said, David, anytime you want to fish, there's a five-acre pond right out there. Help yourself. I had a paddle in the boat, and I had an electric trolling motor that required a battery for its operation. And one day I got in the middle of that pond. And a big old thunderstorm came up just very, very quickly. The wind was tremendous. And I first got the the paddle. That wasn't making any difference. And then I put it on the highest setting, that tro- trolling motor. And I wasn't going toward my destination. I was going quickly away from it. Now for me... Wind up on the other side of the pond was not a a big deal. But I thought of this passage. They were toiling in rowing. Just think of that. They're experts at this. They can't make any headway. They're actually going backwards. I get the impression that they were in the storm of their lives. When they thought all hope was gone and that they were doomed, Jesus came walking On the water. What a sight that must have been. He comes when there is despair. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and they said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Many times, Things, events in our lives, there doesn't seem to be any way this is going to work out. And yet we take our eyes off of the storm and we put them on Jesus, who is the stiller of storms, and it makes all the difference in the world. Now listen very carefully to this story I'm about to share with you. A man was arrested during the reign of Queen Mary for preaching the gospel. The prisoner was swiftly condemned. He would burn at the stake for sharing the message of Jesus. When he heard the sentence, he said, Never mind. All things work together for good. People standing around listening to this began to laugh at him, saying, How is this going to work out for your good? You're going to be burned at the stake. He said, I don't know, but I know to trust God. On the way to London, the guards treated him so roughly that they threw him to the ground in the process breaking his leg. They mocked him then saying, oh, How's this going to work out for your good? He said, I don't know, but I know that God will bring it to pass." The prisoner's leg was splinted so that he could continue the trip. And because of the accident, the party arrived in London one day later than planned. And as it happened, one day after Queen Mary had died, Elizabeth was now on the throne and she pardoned the man. Praise God. The storm looked like it was going to roll over this man and just take him. But no, all things work together for good. Number three, notice his announcement during the storm. Jesus has some things to say when he encounters the disciples. And he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now the storm at this time is still raging, and what is Jesus saying to them? Have faith. Take courage. It is I. They must have bumped each other and said, "He's doing what? He's asking us to do what? How many times does he ask you? But you rejected what he was asking you to do. He actually gave them a message of peace." Be of good cheer. In the Greek, that is tharseo. They were still in the storm when he asked them to cheer up. By his power, the Son of God, listen, the Son of God can give us peace in the midst of storms. That is the peace referred to by the Apostle Paul when he said God gives us a peace that passes what? All understanding. Non-believers are not going to understand your, your thoughts and your stance on this. He gave them a message of power. It is I. Don't be afraid. When Jesus showed up, he came declaring his identity. It is I. This is the same emphatic personal pronoun that he uses in other parts of the Bible. He said, I'm the door. I am the door. I'm not one of the doors. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. There is no one equal to me. Jesus is telling them, cheer up. God is here, and you're going to see a miracle. Now, I hope you have your Bibles open. Because I want to ask you a question. What miracle happened right before this miracle? The feeding of what? The 5,000, which we know is probably 20 or 25,000, because ladies, sorry, they didn't count the women. They didn't count the children. They said there were 5,000 men there. Now, what I'm about to share with you (laughs) Is not spelled out specifically in the Scriptures, but I'm going to make a case for it. How many baskets of leftovers did they have when this was over? Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. What do you think happened to those leftovers? Disciples had a bag that they carried Around with them At one time in Jesus' ministry He told them to leave the bag But we assume That they used their bag To pick up these leftovers When they got in the boat I feel like those bags Were still with them And more than likely As they took a seat in the boat Those miracle bags Were right between their legs What I'm trying to say to you they had a miracle sitting between their legs. And when Jesus came to them walking on the water, they they couldn't even see a miracle even though one was right there between their legs. Now before you cryptsize the disciples and say, oh, how weak of faith, we do the same things ourselves. If you journal... You can see, well, look at what God did for me on this occasion. Look at what God did for me on this occasion. What did God do on this occasion? And then a storm of our life hits and we look up and we say, is it a ghost? (laughs) Yes, we of little faith. Not just the disciples, but we as well. Oh, ye of little faith. He told them, don't be afraid. Jesus issued a command. This is an emphatic. Don't be afraid. You see, if we can ever get hold of the fact that Jesus is in control of every area of our life, that He is God, that He possesses all power, then we can come to that place. We can fully trust Him through any storm that comes our way. Look at one other scripture with me. Numbers in the Old Testament. Verse chapter 14. Numbers 14. They've come back from scouting out the promised land. Only two came back with a positive report. Remember Joshua and who? Caleb. Caleb. The others said, oh, they're giants in the land. We, we, we can't overtake them. Look at what Caleb says in verse 9, the 14th chapter of Numbers. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread. That's, that's not a misprint. They are bread for us. B-R-E-A-D. What do you do with Bread. You eat it. And in this day, that was just about all they had to eat. The bread made them strong. Do you see what Caleb is saying? Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be strength for us. Yes, there are giants in the land. Bring them on. (laughs) Bring them on. Because God is going to use this to grow us stronger and stronger. Well, finally, notice his authority over the storm. His authority over the storm. Notice his posture. Where is Jesus in this storm? He's walking on the sea. He's not... Walking with it to the side, he is walking in a victorious stance. I have conquered this. Peter answered, Lord, if you command me to come to be on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when he saw the wind beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He took his eyes off the Lord in the most critical time of this storm don't take your eyes off Jesus notice their praise and what did they do in response and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him Truly, you are the Son of God. Many years ago, the annual meeting of Southern Baptists was in Phoenix, Arizona. And I had always wanted to hear Dan Yeary, the senior pastor of North Phoenix Baptist Church. He told a true story about his young son, Wes. I told Dan after the service, I'll never forget this, and I'd like your permission to share this story. One night it fell on Dan to put Wes to bed. They would have a Bible story. They would pray. The father would leave most of the time. (laughs) Wes had an inordinate fear about monsters. And so one night as they were in his room and they had done the Bible story and the prayer and Dan said, Wes, have a good evening. Wes said, there are monsters under my bed. Now, he could have been a rude and crude father and say, get over this, grow up. But no, he got down on his hands and feet and he looked under the bed and he pulled out a few of the toys and he said, Wes, I got good news. There are no monsters under your bed. They're in the closet, he said. "You You know how this is going, right? So Dan goes over and opens the closet and pushes aside shoes and clothing and there's nothing in there. certainly not a monster. Wes, good news, there are no monsters in your closet. They're in the bathroom. So father and son go into the bathroom and they open up the, the cupboards where the towels are and pull the shower curtain back. Wes, there are no monsters here. No monsters in the closet. No monsters under your bed. To which Wes says... They leave when you show up. They leave when you show up. Shouldn't that be the case of Jesus in our storms? They leave when He shows up. Let's bow our heads together. God, help us to know that when Jesus shows up, they leave. Would you take a moment right now, my fellow Christian, and talk to him about this storm in your life that is hurting you and bewildering you? Take it to the Lord in prayer, we sing so often. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We'll take it to the Lord in prayer. Because when He shows up, those storms leave. Father, we thank You for Your promises and that Your promises are true. And we thank You for saying to us today, it is I, do not be afraid. Because You, Jesus, You are the great I am. And now we continue to worship you, Lord, through your word. In Christ's name, amen.